0: Kegels were a huge theme when I started my business, and then there was much more information about the importance of relaxation, unless you're able to completely relax and extend that arm and then and then engage that muscle so it's the same with the pelvic floor and Lots of people, especially during pregnancy and postpartum, people got really into doing Kegels and overly doing Kegels, which would cause tightness, spasms, and dysfunctions. How might you build in these kind of relaxation strategies that are gonna help you on a day-to-day basis, but will also help you with sex?
1: Welcome to the Taboo to Truth Podcast. Unapologetic conversations about sexuality in midlife. I'm your hostess, Karen Bigman, certified life and menopause coach and sexual explorer. Your trusted guide through the realms of dry vaginas, hot flashes, and the enigmatic orgasm journey. I'm here to bring the often quiet into the light, to create a safe space where no question is too awkward or taboo. Whether you're experiencing changes in libido, concerned about navigating your menopausal life, or simply seeking to understand your body better. We're going to share this journey. It will be brave and open-hearted. And yes, it's okay to talk about it. And yes, it's okay to ask. So grab your favorite drink and put me on speaker. It's about time we broke the silence. Welcome. I have the lovely Mari Rellen here, the founder of Body Conceptions. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Listen, tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are and how it fits in with this whole theme of the podcast of
0: midlife and sexuality and menopause. I started my business 11 years ago. It was out of an interest in when I was living in New York City. I'm now in Denver in supporting women at that time when there was a big fitness boom and i really felt like there was a need for a really woman positive kind of workout that's still challenging but didn't shame women about their bodies i was actually very aware of it back then i also was working with a lot of pregnancy prior to starting my business and i felt like there was um, a big hole in an understanding of fitness and postpartum so that became one of our specialties and If people don't know me, I do body conceptions, which is a particular method that is dance based, but it doesn't require you to be a dancer or even coordinated at all to do it, but it's music driven and it's dancey in that you move to the music. And it's a little bit, in my opinion, more fun because of that music connection. And it's also full body cardio and sculpting. So I had that original focus and then actually moved to Denver about eight years ago and expanded my scope in looking at different life transitions for women that also included fertility and then perimenopause. And there were a number of reasons for that. One was fertility, especially there's a lot of delicacy around hormone balance and the need to understand that balance to allow fitness to support it correctly, because fitness can also throw your body out of balance. So understanding that difference and what that meant. And then as I realized I'm getting older, I also thought very carefully about my own future in fitness, but also realized. It was a time of life that was pretty untouched in terms of the research. i spoke to a lot of doctors who really hadn't had much education on it in terms of fitness during that time of life. There was some research and it's all been about continuing to be as current as possible, but again, to understand how, what are the hormonal changes that happen at that time of life? How can fitness support that? And how can you do exercise in ways that can really feel good and help propel you to this next transition in your life and this next stage of your life. So I'm interested in that from a fitness side I'm getting more into counseling also, more into the emotional connection that we have with our bodies, which really fits this time of life really well, as well as what you talk about a lot, which is our sexual connections with ourselves, our bodies, how we view our bodies, how comfortable we feel in our bodies. And all of that I feel is so connected to sexuality and identity. These are all things that I think are really rich to talk about. And I think about them almost on this like existential, existential level of like meaning and new direction and finding your place in the world and with others around you.
1: Wow. This is exactly <laughs> where we need to go with this. I think one of the the challenges especially as women start to go through menopause and in the realm of sexuality, and I talk to what I know, which is being single at this point in life, our bodies are changing, not only internally, but physically as well, as many women start to complain that they get the, the pot belly and skin starts sagging and, and things start to change. It's, it's so important because I think part of the, the the shame and the hesitancy to really have sex or want to enjoy sex has to do with feeling lousy about your body. So maybe one of the directions we can go in is to talk a bit about how your clients come to telling you. Uh, about this? Because I think the first part I know in my experience was that I stopped have, being able to have an orgasm and it was like, who do I tell? How do I tell? And how do I get someone to, to listen? And, and it's easiest to tell your girlfriends or people around you, but even that can be difficult.
0: I love that question. And it's not an easy answer because everyone's been very different. I will say that training to me with my clients ends up being pretty long-term with most of my clients. And it's a lot about building trust and in some ways, intimacy with each other around what we are sharing, but also in many ways, the act of doing fitness together with somebody is a very intimate act because you're really connected to how you feel that day, what's feeling good, what isn't feeling good, what might be frustrating you. And also I do encourage my clients to have a little bit of time with me to talk about their lives in general. And part of that is just because I think that's a great way to get connected. But my method is improvisational and I do the workout with them, with my clients. And so part of it too, the reason we talk with each other is for me to get on the same page emotionally and energetically so that when I'm working out with them, I know how they're feeling, what they're thinking about. I also know their energy. And so I can sync that when we're working out together. It's usually in those conversations, maybe a little bit farther along in the relationship, where we get more personal about sex. I will say there is early conversation about the pelvic floor because that's a big focus. And I will mention things like, this might be a time of life when you're extra tight, maybe dry, like this this might be a tough time for you in your connection to your pelvic floor. And we do a lot of breathing exercises and relaxation of the pelvic floor that can really help get the muscles a little bit more activated for them because if the muscles are in spasm or overly tight, getting them to loosen the pelvic floor can really be helpful. I talk about it in that context and it might take a little bit of time to get even more personal than that, but I am interested in also in pain, which can come during sex that I will speak to with my clients and might even bring it up when I'm mentioning the breath work. And then I'll also mention how working with PTs, pelvic floor PTs can be really great because We have a lot of partnerships with pelvic floor PTs. So if we feel like we'll do some work to help address the pelvic floor, but then there's a certain degree to which it's beyond our scope. And so then there's, I'll say, hey, work with a pelvic floor PT. I have a lot of them that I collaborate with. And oftentimes there's an exchange between the PT and myself about the kind of work that we're doing so we can coordinate together. I
1: think I mentioned my last episode was an interview with my pelvic floor physical therapist. And I think that not a lot of people know that Is something that that even exists. Kudos to you that you have those relationships. And I imagine that might've been something that has come over the years as more and more people start realizing the importance of it. And also just understanding that like your pelvic floor um, health is not just doing a couple of Kegels.
0: No. (laughs) I know. There are a lot of belief systems that we've been told through our life's lifespan, our lifetime. And there's also been a lot of change in research. I don't know if you spoke about this with your PT, but Kegels were a huge theme when I started my business. And then there was much more information about the importance of relaxation. Because if you think of your arm, if you're trying to overly tighten your bicep, but you don't ever extend your arm. You're actually inhibiting the ability of your muscle to have power unless you're able to completely relax and extend that arm and then, and then engage that muscle. So it's the same with the pelvic floor and lots of people, especially during pregnancy and postpartum, people got really into doing Kegels and overly doing Kegels, which would cause tightness, spasms and dysfunctions. Yeah. It's very important.
1: That's great. And that is really what where I learned. I, I actually started doing pelvic floor PT many years ago. And then I took a long break and came back to it more recently for hip pain. But I remember my girlfriend saying, oh, you just need to do Kegels. And I said, no, I need to do the opposite. Because yes. my problem is I actually, I clench my pelvis. I'm walking and I'm hiking and I'm like, okay, I need- release. Like it's just a constant clench and that affects everything. So it's so critical, especially as our muscles and ligaments get weaker as we age up through menopause and it helps with sex.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. What's so fascinating too is I lived in New York for a really long time. If anything, I'm more identified with being a New Yorker than I am with being a Denverite. But there's also an intensity to living in the city or even having that as your background Mm -hmm. that can actually translate into the pelvic floor too. And I I have heard of more instances of pelvic floor pain and pain with sex too. Now that is scientifically not proven. (laughs) It's just an observation I've had, but it's something to think about if you're A stressed out person like I am, I have a lot of anxiety, how might you build in these kind of relaxation strategies that are gonna help you on a day-to-day basis but will also help you with sex as well?
1: Absolutely, and they talk about the biopsychosocial components of sex, especially they say women are more emotional and that's not necessarily true. However, the way our brains work is that if it's, I heard someone describing it, that we have a lot of multiple tabs open. And if we're in the bedroom about to have sex and all the tab, oh no, I forgot to call my mom. Like I need milk where a man can walk in, see you naked and go. I'm ready. So it's it's a real part of it. And the my for helpful.
0: I love that. It's like our superpower is multitasking, but it can also count against us. So it's like, how might we learn how to really focus in our energy and attention and relaxation to actually appreciate the moment.
1: And and that's true in all parts of life, but it's definitely true with sex. And they say schedule sex and people roll their eyes, but this whole idea of spontaneously being in the mood is just not something that is, is common unless you're in a brand new relationship. And if you still have that after 20 years of marriage, Come on my (laughs) podcast because
0: I'd (laughs) like to hear how you you do it. (laughs) Something too that would be interesting to bring up here is something is a huge theme of ours on the exercise side, but I I would be interested in how it can contribute to this thinking about nighttime and nighttime routines and things. Um, as cortisol levels rise at this time of life, as estrogen falls and cortisol is a, is also, we tend to generally be a little more stressed at this time of life anyway. Like maybe people have kids who are adolescents, that's not the easiest. Maybe their kids are leaving home, maybe in their jobs, they're getting more stressful positions if they're more senior, their parents, they might be taking care of dying parents or sick parents. There's a little bit more natural life stress at this time of life. Also people have endings in their relationships. so. Stress is a big thing, and this idea of chronic stress that kind of already sits a little bit higher at this time of life for us biologically, exercise has the potential to increase stress, increase cortisol, and that can snowball. And there's a lot of ways that we look at doing exercise differently to lower stress levels, including time of day and keeping track of your sleep schedule and all of that. But it's interesting because I think about that in terms of the nighttime and I I really try to have some relaxation techniques before I go to bed because I've been finding many times this 3 p.m. cortisol spike wake up time where we're just awake and stressed out and spinning about all these things we're thinking about. But I wonder, maybe I can ask you as an expert too, could, does sex help this kind of stress cycle? Does it make it worse? Are you seeing any of these interactions? I'd I'd be very interested. I certainly find that being active has helped my sex life. This idea of having exercise as being part of my lifestyle has felt really beneficial to me. But yeah, I'm just wondering around stress and nighttime routines, what you might think about this, turning this around. Yeah, no.
1: Absolutely, yeah. it's a stress reliever, right? All just all the all the chemicals that get released when you have an orgasm. It's also good for your pelvic floor because your muscles are, are, are going, but it and it helps with sleep. So all these things are great, and the more physically fit you are, the more you're going to enjoy sex. So it's it's a catch twenty two. I I did an episode. Uh, I think my episode that's out now is on pain with sex, and I wasn't back pain with sex I have one on pain like vulvar pain but the truth is like my issues I have back aches and I can't do flexion and I have neck aches and I can't like prop myself up and and those are you need modifications and so they yeah. may be, oh my back hurts tonight honey I it's not my head it's my back I don't want to have sex but on the flip side having sex will probably like relax you and uh, you know give you that better sleep so absolutely i think it it makes a, a huge difference and i clearly the hormonal balance makes a difference i had a whole you know shift in in my hormones last year i rejiggered my progesterone through different methodology and that just messed up everything and i was just my sleep Even with sleep aids, was not working. And interestingly, this last a couple months ago, uh, my doctor lowered my estrogen. Didn't know my progesterone's now stable, but she lowered my estrogen. I'm sleeping much better. So the combination of getting the balance right in the hormones and and sex, and I think it just being closer and more intimate with your partner feels calming. Now, if you don't have a partner, doesn't mean. You shouldn't be doing it either because it's still, it also helps you, helps you sleep regardless,
0: (laughs) depending on your preference. I like it with a partner, but I don't have one right now. Do what I got to (laughs) do. Exactly. But it's an interesting and great idea to imagine it as part of a routine that is helping you, your overall health, your overall sleep, your overall stress.
1: And we don't prioritize our sexual health, but really it's part of our overall health. And I was just listening to a doctor talking about how orgasms are are good for your pelvic floor. They really are, because it's a way to do exercise. It's exercise, right?
0: (laughs) In terms of some of these aches and pains we experience at this time of life, we're collecting them through our life from injuries we've had or just ways that we move. Yeah, exactly. And it's hard because we do need to think about exercising differently as we get older, just in general, while keeping in mind that we want to strengthen muscles. We want to make sure that we're avoiding osteopenia, osteoporosis, and strengthen your spine. You could do, whether it's core exercises or a little bit of something to loosen yourself up, a little yoga, that might actually be a really great way to prep your body for sex that won't be interrupted so much by pain. There could be multi effects of having this exercise help you as you think about your sex life and how to make it better. If you're
1: looking at a exercise and Just getting another (laughs) light bulb moment for another episode. I have this weird thing where I often, after I have an orgasm, I get a muscle spasm in my right hip. But it's like you stretch before a run. Um, She suggested this like a pelvic wand to go in and loosen the muscles. It's having that routine out takes a little bit of comfort with your partner to, if you're in a long-term relationship, okay, honey, let's do our, (laughs) our sex stretching and then we can really have some more fun. Or stretching afterwards, if if, yeah. if the case maybe if you prioritize it as something just as important as any other kind of exercise and you prep for it. In terms of core strength, I don't think you can have enough core strength. I have now been working really hard. I've had two back surgeries, been working really hard on my lower body strength. And now since I've started the podcast, I'm sitting at the desk all the time. Now my upper back is just so tight and my neck is tight. And so now I've got to work harder on this and and all of that ultimately will help me in the bedroom too because these are all muscles that I use. And yes, you have to modify. You have to modify yes. everything. You have to modify how you have actual penetrative sex. You have to have lubricants, <laughs> you have all these things. And you have to modify the way, you know, your body moves and sometimes you got to change positions and it's mm-hmm. just a fact of life, but don't give up on sex. <laughs>
0: <Don't>. <laughs> that, that's well, what we I, want. Yeah, exactly. And I think that because we're not As specialized as a pelvic floor PT, bringing that to your pelvic floor PT and being like, this is what I feel after sex, or this is, I'm experiencing this during sex that even if it's not pain, it's something unusual, they can provide you with some thoughts and suggestions that you can then bring into your experience and see if it works for you. And I think people just, first of all, they don't even know pelvic floor PTs are out there, like you're saying, we right. need to spread the word, but also what we can we use them for? It doesn't have to just be whatever, I have incontinence, it could be sexual pain, it could be, it could even be back pain or shoulder pain or jaw pain. A lot is connected to the pelvic floor, which we're very aware of as well, especially working with women after they have a baby and might have a C-section, there's just so much to it. Right. The- to the pelvic floor
1: it's something that um just like a trainer that, that even preventatively as you start to notice that you're going through perimenopause and the changes are happening figuring out like what should i be working on with mari what should i be working on in the gym and, and even with my
0: partner prepping for your future self is actually a really lovely and can be a really beautiful thing to do how can i in some ways prevent them how can i keep working on my muscle mass how can i understand my body better to, especially, we talk a lot about cardio, not overdoing cardio, focusing a little more on strength training to really help that transition. There's also a really big topic here too, which is very related to sex, listening to your body more. And it's a huge topic for me because, um, I'm very interested in these kind of early messages we get as women, or also even on our history, early messages we got in fitness, which w- was more is more. That calories in calories out. So therefore you should do a ton of cardio to burn a ton of calories. And that was the way to get the results you want. And you always have to go beyond your limits in order to, again, get the results you want, because otherwise you won't see any change, which has led us, there's also the eating side, which is if I starve myself, the more I can deny my hunger pangs, I'll get the weight I want to be, and those are both things that are understandable, are in our that's in our culture. That it's very damaging to us psychologically, physically, hormonally. And I think this time of life is very important to actually flip that um, previous understanding to what feels good in my body. (laughs) And so instead of this idea of I need to hurt and hate this in order to get the results I want, which by the way, is not going to motivate you to exercise at all. How can I think instead about what do I love to do? What can I help make, what helps me bring exercise into my life regularly? What are those things? What are those kinds of movements that I want to do naturally? I sometimes turn on music and I see how my body wants to move or I'll go on a walk or it doesn't have to be really crazy. And that's, I think it's the same with sex too. I think if we can get more connected to our body signals, we're more apt to enjoy things in the moment rather than being like that phase of like where we get just so self-denying. And I think when if we really start listening and wanting to feel enjoyment in our movement, in our eating, in our lifestyle, I think that also helps us set us up for later in our lives. I hear a lot this conversation of perimenopause, menopause, like early menopause, as like a rest period. Realizing what your body doesn't want to do anymore, and maybe doing things a little more gently, that actually can set you up to be have a very active lifestyle moving forward. Think about that in new ways. Then it's not this dread; it's more of an excitement right. about what can I do later. So long it's answer. so
1: interesting. Yeah, and it's and it is really shifting. It's I've had whatever my therapist calls disordered eating my entire pretty much my entire adult life. And I'm finally coming to terms with my body and and starting to love it. (laughs) (laughs) I like you a lot. I'm still not sure about love. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things that I've realized because I've lost a lot of weight since I've become much more active moving out West is that I need to eat more protein. And that's part of the problem because when I'm, I am active, I'm, you start to burn good things for muscle instead of fat and trying to put more protein in my body. And what I've found is that the more protein I eat, I actually lose weight, just coming to terms with the fact that you're probably not going to be pin skinny without any flab as you age. If if you are, you probably have done it medically, which that makes you feel good, then that's great. But I think for the most part, that even as I lose weight, my stomach still is getting bigger. It's just what it is. Things fit differently. So just, I, I love that. It's really coming to, it's not even a coming to terms. It's it's appreciating, do I really want to live in this constant fear of gaining weight, fear of the have to's, as opposed to this is what I really want to do. And if if it, all it is, is walking every day, as opposed to running on the
0: treadmill for three hours, then that's probably even better for you on so many levels. I was starting to see some inflammation as well as some inflammation in my belly and belly fat as well. And this was a time of life too, in the last couple of years, when I realized I actually want to move differently. And in some ways my business requires me to move to a certain extent, but how can I, in my own life sort of address that? And it's been to walk a lot more and I've actually seen my body change by doing less. I'm just not stressing my body as much and stress again, it's cortisol plays a big role in belly fat in terms of um, blood glucose and fat deposits and things like that. If you can address your stress and movement can very much lower your stress, doing it in a way that just really feels lovely to you ha- whatever that could mean. And it could just, again, be walking. It doesn't have to be this really crazy thing. Okay. And, and it's the whole cycle, right? Because
1: when you feel when you're doing the exercise and it's enjoyable, then everything starts to feel better and it releases stress and all these things that are good for you overall. Anything else you want to add here? This is, this is really informative and interesting and you know, what we should be thinking about in terms of healthy sex life and enjoying this period of our lives rather
0: than, than yeah. fearing it and
1: what it can offer us.
0: Yeah. I, I, love music music is the reason i move and danced my whole life and it's such a big motivator for me to exercise Um, Also, I love listening to it during sex. So I think that music could be a really great gateway to understand ourselves and our bodies a little bit more. I've always recommended, which I mentioned earlier, finding music you really love. If you're trying to think of how how music can help motivate you to move to exercise, whatever it is like that gets you to want to move your body, maybe put a playlist together and just move around. Maybe in your room alone, if you're worried about doing it with other people, maybe start using it on walks, start feeling a connection to the music. physical and i believe doing this i've certainly certainly found this in myself and i intend to do as a counselor is really help people identify feelings in their body. Where are they holding tension? How might they release that tension? I think that could be really helpful for sex as well. I think the more we're in touch with where we're holding tension, how to release it, just being more connected with our physical beings, I think benefits us on on so many levels. But I do think music is a really big way to do it. I think so many of us are connected to music. We have our favorites. So that's what I recommend. I think that's the most accessible way in. I love that. I love blasting the music and just dancing
1: by myself in the house. <laughs> it's on my profile, actually, <laughs> and on my dating profile. I say, dance without inhibitions. I will go to a concert. I'm that jerk in the front row that, like, is dancing around, and everyone's yelling at me to sit down. Because yes. Because them. That's me. That's, that's me. Hello. That's great. Wow. That's great. This is great. I love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Thank you for your time. Thank you for all this amazing information. I will put... Um, links to all your socials and, and how to find you in, in the show notes.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me on the Taboo to Truth podcast where I'm spicing up midlife
1: one episode at a time. If you've been enjoying the sizzle, why not turn up the heat by giving me a scorching five-star rating and leaving a steamy review. It's the best way to help others discover pleasure in their sex life. Sir, I'll be shy, show me some love, and keep the midlife adventure alive. And until next time, grab your favorite drink and put me on speaker. It's time we broke the sun.